so we had done till last time up to verse 32 so we will now start with verse 33 but before that just to give you a small understanding this is Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 11 part 2 chapter 23rd verse 32 so we were talking about the Avanti Brahmana the Avanti Brahmana he keeps his intelligence and the senses and his life under control once you get this under control then what are you supposed to do you are supposed to go out and live on charity alone the idea about renunciation is to live exclusively on charity you are not supposed to be earning something or you know something which is called a constructive activity which is going to give you some money you are not supposed to do that so he begs on charity and he goes to various cities towns wherever he can and he doesn't tell anybody what he is up to in the sense that you are not supposed to say oh i am in spiritual i am doing this i am roaming the world there is no need so you have to be incognito this is where we had ended last time so now we are starting Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 11 Chapter 23 The Song of Avanti Brahmana Verse 33 onwards O King Uddhava O kind Uddhava Seeing him as an old dirty beggar Rowdy persons would dishonor him With many insults This is a very common thing Which happens to spiritual people the moment the worldly people look at this person they think that he is man because he behaves in a very different manner not like any other normal human being you will find him he may be wearing torn clothes or he may be wearing uh, you know clothes which do not behove of a personality that he might be he has got long hairs maybe unshaven it looks like a homeless kind of a person actually he is homeless <laughs> but the whole universe is his home no doubt about it he will not speak he will not open his mouth to tell the world that he is an intelligent being and this is what happens many a times in our life we come across such type of people now I can give you two three examples one is an example of a person who Chinmayananda he went out to see his guru seek out his guru and uh, when he met this old looking person who did not seem like having any knowledge because people go by appearances the moment you have a particular appearance you already make a judgment on the person so he went and he, he was speaking in slightly a derogatory manner his guru to be guru did not tell him anything did not say anything to him and later on he speaks in the same language and in perfect english also in his local lingo and his perfect English. And Chinmayananda was flabbergasted and he was wondering what exactly happened. 
I met an individual in my life <clears throat> with very long flowing beard, orange clothes and was speaking in only one language <clears throat> that is in Telugu. Now the general impression is oh this person is a localite has no knowledge about the world. Later on when I understood the biodata of that person. That person was a double PhD. <laughs> that too, one of the subjects was English. So, though he is conversing in a local language, doesn't make him out into a, you know, a wayward person. So, spiritually perfect people will never indulge in telling the world that they are very good. They will only show themselves as poor and having very little knowledge and their method of going around in the world will make everybody wonder whether they come from the lowest rung of the society. So, this Brahmana, Avanti Brahmana, what does he do? He goes around different, different cities and when people saw him, they saw him as an old dirty beggar and rowdy people, that is all the bad people around, they started dishonoring him with different kinds of insults, which is a very, very common thing. Some of these persons would take away his sannyasi rod, some the water pot which he was using as a begging bowl, some took his deer skin seat, some his chanting beards, beads and some would steal his stone ragged clothing. Displaying these things before him, they would pretend to offer him back, but would then hide them again. Naturally, this is how we, you know, the whole world behaves with uh, kind of a, you know, the downtrodden or the slightly mad people. How do they behave? Oh, take, 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 take. They will take their things and they will try to, it's a very, very bad way of behaving. We too behave something like that. You know, we also misbehave with people going by their appearances. We look at a person and we say, Oh, this person looks like somebody from the roadside. So we should not treat him nicely. <laughs> this kind of an attitude shows how poor we are rather than those people. It just tells us that we do not have manners. We cannot take care of the, you know, the lowly people, those who don't have anything. Last week I explained to you that it is important to give. But do not consider yourself as a great person if you are giving because if there is nobody in front of you to take it, what is the point? You will be left with nothing. So, it is important to give. Yesterday also I posted one video where they show that how important it is to give. And especially this season, which is the Christmas season, giving is extremely important. We give to our near and dear ones. But it is important to give to those people who do not have. Alright? So, they will literally harass this person, Brahmana. Verse 35 says, when he was sitting on the bank of the river, about to partake of the food that he had collected by his begging, such sinful rascals 
would come and pass urine on it and they would dare to spit on his head. This is a very callous way of misbehaving with a very great person. Now, that person goes out to beg for food. You know, in the material world, I have been always told that why do these sadhus have to beg? So, I will tell you something which I heard many years ago. In one of the ashrams in India, the guru over there, he gives stone clothes to his people. By the way, these are all corporate big people, okay? They are VPs and MDs and all that. These are very people who have settled, well settled in life. And they have come as a disciple to this Guru. So what do they do? They are given torn clothes and there is no money in their pocket. And they are left anywhere between 50 and 100 kilometers from the ashram. And they are supposed to get back to the ashram by the evening on their own. Now where they are left, it could be just a small tiny village. How do you get back from that village to the ashram without a single penny in the pocket? So, and you are wearing torn clothes, you are disheveled. Even the women are given such torn clothes and all. And they are told to get back. It is one of the most difficult things for anybody to do that. Do you know the reason why? Because they have never asked anybody in their life for money or whatsoever. And imagine going and asking people in the streets, can I have some money? I want to get back. You are not supposed to say that you are doing this. It's a kind of an experiment. In that one day, the person learns humility. learns what it means to beg in the streets. Means what a person goes through when they don't have anything. But it is only a one day experiment. And these great people when they get back to the ashram, they will give out stories of how they did it. It is not about how you did it. Can you survive this your entire life? To be humble like this, to be treated like a dirt on the streets. Humility doesn't come so easily to a person. They think no end of themselves. Their ego stands up at every given moment in time. You know I have to be like this, I am this. Even if a person goes to a hotel, he thinks no end of himself. He will say, do you know who I am? I want the best room. I want the best table. I want the best of the services. This is where the problem lies. And a man can never 
understand how this happens. I just asked some folks over here to watch a very beautiful film. And this is like a documentary. It's like a documentary. It is of a social worker. His name is Baba Amte. Now, Baba Amte was a doctor. And he used to wear one singlet on top, you know, we call it banyan on top, and one short pant. The one which you wear inside the house, that kind of thing. Then, he used to go around exactly like this everywhere. He had a private zoo in his house, by the way. One day, a very senior officer of the government comes to see him. So, he meets some people on the road. And they take him to this person who is sitting inside a cage feeding a squirrel. With that, you know, this clothes of his. So, this officer looks at him and he is asking some questions. He is not told that this is the gentleman. So, when Baba Amte talks to him, the person thinks that he is just a plain servant over there. So, he says, I want to talk to your boss. He says, I am the boss. But I didn't expect you to be like this. The humility is extremely important. And in another instance, he has got hundreds of awards. He is also, the, there is a Nobel Prize in Asia which is called the Magsese Award. He is a Magsese Award winner. He has got so many degrees and so many things in this, you know, in his life that he is invited to the United States. So he goes to Mumbai to meet the council general, the council over there. The council looks at his papers and says, what is your salary? So he says, I earn 1500 rupees a month. 1500 rupees? I mean, who earns 1500 rupees? By the way, one dollar is around 65, approximately 65 rupees. So, 650 dollars, I mean 650 rupees would be around 10 dollars. Hmm? So, think about it. So, 25 dollars is his entire monthly income. So, the council looks at him and says, Are you sure? Is there a zero missing over here? He says, No, that is all I earn per month. He says, and I'm sorry, I cannot grant you the visa. Why? You will run away and you will stay in the United States. He doesn't recognize who this, the person who is sitting in front of him is. Though he says, you see, I am invited and people are going to take care of me. They have arranged for my accommodation and everything. So the council says, I'm sorry, you don't have the money, so you may 
stay put in US. So I cannot grant you the visa. So Baba Amte goes back. So when he goes back, the media comes to know about it and the media make a big noise about it. <laughs> so, so the ambassador of United States calls up Baba Amte and says, I'm very sorry, my officer didn't know who you were, so please come back, we are granting you the visa. This man is literally like a Nelson Mandela. So you can imagine how big a person he is. He is not like Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa had financial support from all the world leaders. This man doesn't take any financial support from anybody. He lives in a village. I'm very little. People, those who can contribute little, little is all that, you know, like medicines and all, that's it. Incidentally, I had the opportunity of staying with this person for nearly 3-4 days. I think twice I had it. And I stayed in his farmhouse. And I met him and it was really very wonderful. You see, he had given me a very nice place to sleep and food was very good and a very beautiful village house. Outside his house, there was a lake, a pond, a kind of a river, kind of a stuff. And there were wild animals literally roaming around. I was able to catch hold of a deer over there. And I was wondering what kind of a place is this? He had leopards, lions, tigers in his house. He would put his hand in a hyena's mouth. He would literally be sleeping with the leopard and nothing would happen. So just to give you an understanding, his name was Dr. Prakash Baba Amte. He died in 2008. Today his son takes care of the entire thing. Now Dr. Prakash, Prakash Baba Amte was a great leader of man. He would care for the poor villagers. Now this is the kind of a man who can never be recognized outside if he goes around in his usual clothing and the humility that he has. So those who are in spiritual do not exhibit their halo around, you know, I am great. Nobody says that. So they, the world looks at these people and treats them very badly. So, you will find that people would come and do the same to the Savanti Brahmana. Although he had taken a silence, they would try to make him speak. And if he did not speak, they would beat him with sticks. Others would chastise him saying, this man is just a thief. And others would bind him up with a rope, shouting, tie him up, tie him up. I left something when I was talking uh, five minutes ago. I said, I said that, you know, what do people think? They think that these spiritual people are a waste on man. <laughs> pure waste. And they treat them as if they are unworthy. Why? Because they do not have income. 
they do not work somewhere. Actually, they are not supposed to. Why? You see, when you go to work, you are basically earning a living. When you earn a living, you are a purely material, worldly person. One of the qualifications of spirituality is to live on charity. Living on charity is a very, very strange business. Living on charity makes you understand how humble it is to live in this world. You have to have the humility in you. Living on charity will not bring that ego. I have got so much. I have this. I own that. This is mine. This is mine. At the end of the day, nothing is yours. Isn't it the truth? In this world, what is yours? Nothing. Spirituality teaches you to be humble. You do not have a living. In the sense, you don't have wages or get any money from anywhere. You are living purely on charity. This is not understood by the worldly people. So they always look upon spiritual people who do not make a living as pure trash. They are worthless people. Look at him. He's got such a you know nice build. He can go and work somewhere. He can be a servant in somebody's place. He can do this. He can do that. And yet he is not doing anything about it. This idea where a material worldly person works gives him a salary. Gives him a sense of belonging to some place. Has a house, has a family, has friends, has relations, has everybody. But the moment you don't have money, nobody cares for you. Isn't it true? Just tell the world, I am bankrupt. I don't have any money. See what happens. Everybody will try to run away from you. Why? Because you may touch them for money. You may say, can I have $10? Can I have 100 rupees? You know, that is the reason why everybody runs away. Your own relatives will run away. This is what happens. You don't have a house of your own. You know how inadequate a person feels when they don't have a house of their own? Those who have house of their own, they have ownership of certain properties and all, they don't feel anything missing in their life. But ask a person who doesn't have a house, has to pay rent every month or maybe, you know, this is the problem. Man thinks that this is my ownership. Now, relations. I have a wife. I have a husband. I have a child. They will look after me. I can look after them. You see the whole point? But the moment you don't have anything, what happens? Your own husband, your own wife, your own children will run away from you. Isn't it the truth? So, detachment from material worldly life is extremely important. It teaches you a lot of things. 
the moment you say I don't have anything, the world ditches you. As far as these people who are concerned, you know, the spiritually perfect people are concerned, they have an IQ that could beat even the Einsteins of this world, by the way. They can do things which no, nobody on earth can do. They have such tremendous intellectual capacity. But they are not running after publicity. They are not running after making money. They are not running after doing anything. They have a certain job in this world which they are performing. So, if somebody becomes an ascetic or becomes a sadhu or becomes a, you know, a spiritualist, please understand the primary criteria is not to have a living, a wage. It's not right. It will never treat you. Otherwise, you are going to depend on that salary. Like every person in this world, is he not depending on the next salary, the next salary, the next salary? Because he has to pay for his food and other things. Here, you don't even know whether you are going to get your next meal, where it is going to come from. And this is how a man has to be in spiritual. Our dependency is entirely on God. How he provides for it is his problem. That tells, you know, that I will tell you a story on that. This is a Buddhist story. Once upon a time it so happened that a Buddhist monk, he goes out and begs for food everywhere. At one place, now he has come out of the monastery for the first time, remember this. Okay, he has from childhood he has been in the monastery. He has never seen a woman by the way. He just knows that there is a woman because there are some people who come to work. That's it. Beyond that he has very little idea. So when he goes out to beg, they have a rule. You can only beg from so many houses. Maximum is four or eight. I think that is a figure that they talk about. So he goes to beg. At one house where he knocks, a small girl comes to the door. Now she is in a puberty. You know? So he says, can I have something to eat? So she tells the monk, just wait here. I will go and get something for you. So the monk waits outside. When she comes back with a little food, her mother also comes with her. See, in most of these countries, in Thailand or in India, wherever, if a monk comes to beg to your house, a sadhu, you normally honor him, you give him something to eat or some kind of a food is offered. When he is taking the food in his hands, he looks at the mother and he says, I think this girl has some problem. So the mother says, what do you think is the problem? 
I think she is developing some boils on her chest. So the mother starts laughing. Those are not boils. Those are breasts. So the monk is a little bit flabbergasted. He's asked, he asks her, why, why is it happening? So the only way in which the mother can explain to him is, you see, when she grows up, she will get married and she will have children. Now, God has made arrangements for those children to feed from her breasts. And that is the reason why God has given her this breast. So the monk thanks her and starts walking. He just walks down a few steps and then he says, This is very strange. And he comes back, knocks on the door again and tells the woman, Here, take your food back. So the woman asks him, Are you crazy? Why are you giving the food back? We have given it to you. Take it. He says, See, there is something which I learned today. You see, the child may be coming 10 or 15 years from now. But God has already made arrangements for the child to be fed. He has already made arrangements for that future child to be fed. So don't you think that God has made arrangements for me also? Why do I need to bother my head about where I get my food from and what I, the way I am getting it from? If God has to give me food, He will give it to me just like that. This is a very important lesson which we learn in, in Buddhism and in Hinduism, in, in these religions, where we understand that God has already made provisions for everything. We say in our world, even a leaf doesn't move without the will of God, isn't it? If the leaf doesn't move without the will of God, don't you think that he has already made arrangements for some things in this world? For you also? So why are you feeling inadequate? There is no need to feel inadequate. Remember, like the monk, God has already made some arrangements for you. So then what makes you think that you know that you need to have an earning, you need to have a big ego that yes, I am working for this company, I am so and so, I am the chairman of this company or managing that. What is this big deal? It is by the will of God that you have become somebody in life. You know? Acknowledge that. And don't say I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. This is the truth man doesn't realize. And the answer is to make him humble. This is a process called renunciation. Renunciation is a process that makes you humbler by the day. It tells you God has made arrangements for you. In spirituality, we learn this the hard way by the way. <laughs> you don't learn it very easily. Now you look at me, you know, and you will say, Oh, you are a heavyweight champion, you know. <laughs> when I decided that I am going to have only one meal a day, everybody was against me. They said, how can you do that? 
I told them, I said, you know, in spirituality, we understand that we have to eat only so much. Our emphasis should never be on the what we eat. So what I eat once in a day, I don't have to bother what I'm going to have at the end of the day. It is not important for me. And if that once in a day can suffice for me, you know, in this world people will say you need to have multiple meals every four hours, you need to have a small meal. I agree with all of that. Okay, for the material worldly person, it is perfect. For a spiritual person, everything is imperfect by the way. To make a living is imperfect. For the material world, to make a living, yes, of course, you need to work. It's perfect. To beg for charity, you need to beg for food, is perfect in this world. In material world, you don't beg from anybody. <laughs> is that what you have been told? <laughs> don't beg from anybody. Okay? In material world, you have so many relatives, so many friends, so many people around you. In spiritual world, nobody is yours and you are belonging to nobody. You are detached from everybody. So, everything in the material world, you have to wear good clothes. In spiritual, you wear what you have. I mean, whatever you can, simple, even if it is stone, it does not matter. You have to show off in the material world. You need to have a house, you need to have cars and this and that. And you need to do. Here, you don't have anybody to show anything. You just have to be as poor as possible. There you say, I earn a living. I do everything for myself. You know, I became great because I... I did these studies and I become this and that and so many things. Have, don't you say that in the material world? The whole world talks like this. In the spiritual world we say, God made me like this. <laughs> it's a very strange world out there, you know. The materialistic world is completely reversed in the spiritual. Whatever you think in the material is not the same in spiritual at all. Here you are dependent on your own living. That means you have to earn a living, you have to make money, you are supposed to do so many things. There, there is nothing like that. So I hope you understood there is a difference between these two worlds. And in spiritual, nobody is forcing you to do anything, by the way. Nobody in this world. I will never force a person to get up in the morning. I will never tell them, you know, that this is what you have to do. In the material world, you have to put an alarm. You have to get up in the morning. You have to go to work. The, if you don't go to work, boss is going to give you a firing. If you are not going to do your work, everybody is going to blame you. All that thing is happening. In the spiritual world, you can get up at 12 o'clock in the night also, does not matter. You don't have fixed timings for anything. But in spiritual, we try to become disciplined. So getting up in the Brahma Murtam. Brahma Murtam is anywhere between 3.30 to 5.30. 3.30 a.m. in the morning to 5.30 a.m. in the morning is called Brahma Murtam. Brahma Murtam is a time when, I have explained in the earlier satsangs, 
Brahma Murtam is a time where everything is in perfect harmony. So knowledge percolates. You can do your meditation. Everything is in a perfect place. The world is just rising. The sun is rising somewhere. You know that entire thing. The morning rays are very beautiful. Everything is working in perfect harmony. And that is the time called Brahma Murtam when you can get up and you will feel nice about it. So in spiritual we get up in Brahma Murtam. Nobody forces us. We just get up. Nothing is done by force. We live a life of simplicity. Absolutely simple. There are no shows anywhere. Nothing like that. It does not matter if some person comes and derides you, says anything to us. We just take it as a compliment, by the way. We don't say anything to that person. It's all right. Unnecessarily, he is spoiling his you know, mouth, isn't it? Somebody who speaks ill, his mouth is dirty. Why should we join in that? Right? You are pure yourself. Why would a pure water join a dirty water? So you don't talk. You keep silent. So you see what he does? They would criticize and insult him saying, the man is just hypocrite and a cheat. He makes business of religion simply because he has lost all his wealth and his family threw him out. When I left this material world and got into spiritual, every person in my world came and asked me as well as every relative of mine, why doesn't this man work? He can do, he can make some money, he can do this, he can do that. It is a very difficult thing for the family members also to express to the world that this person is in spiritual. You know how difficult it is? It's extremely tough. Because the world derides him or derides her, whoever. They do not look at it as something like an achievement. For them, it's a demotion. It's come down in life. If you don't make money, you have come down in life. If you are living like a beggar, it is not good. So this is what happens to these people also. So some will ridicule him by saying, just see this great, greatly powerful sage. He is as steadfast as the Himalaya mountain. By practice of silence, he strives for his goal with great determination, just like a duck. Other person would pause, pass foul air upon him and sometimes others would bind him twice, bind this twice-born Brahmana in chain and keep him captive like a pet animal. So now you can see the atrocities that are done to him. The Brahmana understood that all his sufferings from other living beings, from the higher forces of nature and from his own body was unavoidable. Being allotted to him by providence. You know, Jesus Christ went to the desert 
and he was told by his father that he has to go through the ordeal. Why? Providence has said so. He has to go through it. He could have easily become a carpenter and stayed over there. No, you cannot do that. In spiritual world, we have to grow, go through literally like gold, you know. To get it purified, you have to go through fire. And have you ever seen a diamond? You see, a diamond shines very beautifully. But where was it found? It was found in some heap like a small stone. It was cut, polished. It has been rubbed over the hardest surface. If you have seen how diamond polishing happens, maybe you can see a video on YouTube how diamond cutting and polishing happens. The shine will come only after it has gone through complete grinding, complete polishing, then so spiritually perfect people have to go through this process of becoming perfect. It is not an easy thing. It is not like, oh, I got a special pass for this. No. <laughs> you don't have special passes for becoming spiritual. Okay. Oh, no, no. I am, a, I am a, the relation of Mr. Jesus Christ. Oh, I should be there in front. Even Mary or Judas' his brother, by the way, he had a brother also by that name. <laughs> Nobody had a privilege over there, okay? Nobody gets the privilege. You cannot go with some special recommendation. Oh, this person is allowed first. In spiritual world, there is no special recommendation anywhere, okay? You have to go through the process and the process is important. So, you have to go through the suffering. People ask me, why does a man have to suffer? Why he cannot be just, you know. No, 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 no. Suffering is a must for you to understand what it means. How to live in this world. You should know everything and yet be humble. The words which define a spiritual person are loving, kind, compassionate, humble. All these words are there. Do you think an arrogant person who has got such a big fat ego, you think he is any of this? A person will say, see I am a very kind person, you know. I am very nice and genuine and a very kind person. I like to help people. You like to help people? That is a mistaken belief. So when people come here, they say, uh, Guruji, I am going to work in the kitchen, I am going to work over here or I am going to work over there. I would like to help around. So I tell them, oh, is that so you are going to come over here to help me? No, I don't need your help. I am going to tell you what you are supposed to do. <laughs> you have to do seva. Seva means service. And service doesn't mean help. 
Now I will tell you the difference between service and help. Okay. In the material world, when you are working for a company, are you doing help to the company? No, you are not helping a company. You are working as a, you know, as a salesperson or a marketing person or in whichever department that you are. You think you are helping the company? No, you are not helping the company. You are actually doing service. So, in an ashram or in a place where you have your guru, please don't say I have come to help over here. You have come to do service. And service is the word that is called seva. Okay? So, in this world, now we come to the big picture. When you are in spiritual, don't say in this world, I am helping poor people, I am doing this, I am doing that. Don't ever say those words. You are here to serve. S-E-R-V-E. And you are expected to do service to mankind. This is God's world. God is the CEO, chairman of this big company. Don't say I have come here to help him. You are nobody to help God. Okay? We are here to do our service. <laughs> and this is the truth. People don't understand. They think that they are doing great help. So any person who says, the material worldly people think they are helping someone. It is your ego which tells you that you help someone. No, you are here in this world to do service to God and to His entire creation. So we are here just to serve the purpose. So I hope you understand the difference between help and service. I know it's a very, very Subtle difference, we don't understand in normal life that what it means to help and what it means to serve. Alright? So, the Brahmana understood that all his sufferings from living beings, from the higher forces of nature and from his own body were unavoidable. Can you shut up? Were unavoidable. Being allotted to him by providence. This is allotted to us. Whatever that we are doing in this world, this is allotted to us. Spirituality teaches us how to go towards our true calling, which is what is called Swadharma. And when you reach your Swadharma, it's your duty to serve. Not to think you are some great person doing some great favors in this world. Nobody does favors. You are doing service. And service to mankind is the highest, is the epitome of why you are here. Okay? Even while being insulted by these low class men who were trying to affect his downfall, he remained steady in his spiritual duties. So did you see? Duties. Fixing his resolution in the mode of goodness, he began to chant the following song. So this Brahmana, what does he do? Even after getting all the insults from everybody in this world, he remains steady in his spiritual knowledge. You have to remain steady. Just because somebody comes and says something to you, don't get affected by it. You are not supposed to feel, Oh, I am so bad, you know, I am the worst creature or not. People like to do this. There are two kinds of egos in this world. 
One is called the bloated ego, which you can see to with every person outside. You know, the bloated ego is, I am this, I am that, I am the president, I am the prime minister, I am managing director, I am the employee, I am this. Oh, people keep on saying this, I own this house, I am like this. That is called bloated ego, that big fat ego. What is bigger than a bloated ego? Deflated ego. You know, a deflated person is a person who will say, I am suffering. I am always being treated badly. The whole world is pushing me. If they are telling me I am worthless, I am not good. Everybody comes and tells me I am not worthy enough. Do you think that this is an ego or not an ego? It is the biggest ego because it starts with the word I. I am always suffering. Oh, you are the great sufferer. This ego, which is called the punctured ego, is the biggest ego of all. You see, when you have a bloated ego, you can be brought down to earth very fast. But when you have a punctured ego, can you be brought down to earth? No. It is the most difficult thing on earth. The bloated ego thinks no end of itself. It will always keep on saying, they are always treating me badly. I am always, you know, at the receiving end. People think, you know, this is what happens. The bloated ego doesn't realize that it is an ego. It says, I am the greatest. <laughs> but, pss, one small puncture and the ego comes out. I say, oh, I have now come down. The other side, I am the sufferer, I am the worst creature, I am mad, I am, people treat me badly, they hurt me, they beat me up. Have you heard about this? There are these, uh, you know, uh, beatings and this and that. Yes, everybody has heard about it. But they never consider it as an ego. But it is the ego. It tells you, you are the greatest sufferer in the world. Greater than any Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has not been beaten so badly, you know. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> so this person treats themselves as the worst character on earth. That is an ego. How do you bring down that ego? You see, both these things can be put back in place with the term called love. Give love to this person. Give love to that bloated ego fellow also. When their ego gets punctured, no, just give them love. Don't say that, oh, you thought of yourself, nobody, nobody, ah, what do you think of yourself now? You are nobody now. No, don't say that. Treat them with love, that's it. Make them rise in their own eyes. So, even being insulted by these low-class men who are trying to affect his downfall, he remained steady in his spiritual duties. Fixing his resolution in the mode of goodness, he began to chant the following song. I'm going to stop here because it's important that you understand the meaning of these words. The song is different. So I will continue that tomorrow. But 
just giving you an idea of what it means to be in this world till just now whatever we have learned so we have we are going to stop at verse 41 all right so we have to understand what is happening to this avanti brahmana the avanti brahmana has is wearing torn clothes he is going around all over the world as a very simple human being. He goes and asks for food. He has got one stick and he has got a begging ball. So when he goes with the begging ball, people mistreat him, they ill-treat him. They spit on him, they call him names, they treat him very badly. Spiritual person is supposed to have renunciation. You have to renounce everything. When you renounce, you do not tell the world that you are spiritual. You do not let the world know anything about it. You are an incognito person. You don't have to tell them how, how highly educated you are. And you have to learn simplicity and humility in this world. So, it is important that you go through this process. This process is extremely important. So, learning to beg. When you beg, you know, you are becoming a humble person. Nothing in this world should deter you. There should be no ego whatsoever. So, to destroy the ego, normally the person who comes in spiritual doesn't do any work anywhere. That means for a living. Work in the sense he is supposed to keep on doing the work in this world. okay? But not for the purpose of earning some money, fame, fortune, nothing, nothing. And nothing is his. That means no house, property, children, this, that, nothing is. It, it makes you understand that when you have nothing in this world, how does the world look at you? Then this person realizes that he is at the mercy of the Lord. Actually, everybody is at the, on the mercy of the Lord, but nobody realizes this. So, the Brahmana understands this and he goes around doing his duties in this world. Of begging and living in very simple places. Tomorrow, we will start the poetry which he says, which he is singing. And then we will understand what he is talking. So we shall end over here. Okay. Have a great day or a good evening. Take care.